Craniacs, and welcome to the first annual, second annual, oh, I always get this wrong. Something can't be, the first time something happens can't be the first annual, it has to happen a second time. Welcome to the second time I've recapped the Oscars for you. I am thrilled to be back. I am thrilled to talk about an Oscar show and movies that I was really glad got their due. Um, so we're just going to go ahead and jump on in. As uh, y'all saw, if you are in our Facebook group, I did post my predictions as well as uh, my kind of don't be surprised if they win. If it, there was overlap with who I wanted to win, I put a little asterisk there. And um, so I ended up pretty happy um, by the end of the night. Uh, I don't think I have felt this passionate about a uh, best picture winner since Parasite in, uh, which won for the 2019 Oscars in February, 2020, right before the world shut down. If we only knew, um, I was lukewarm about Nomadland and I hadn't even seen Coda when the Oscars happened last year. So I have seen it since. Don't you worry. Um, but I was just really, really pulling for everything everywhere all at once. Um, and it's sweep that ended up happening. Um, I saw that movie in April. Actually, I can, the reason I saw this movie, I actually can thank <clears throat> Paul Thomas Anderson for that. The director who I don't understand Hollywood's infatu infatuation with him and the whole, he must get an Oscar. How does he not have an Oscar yet? But that's not the point of this podcast, but I went to go see licorice pizza last year when it was nominated for Oscars and wasted those two hours of my life. And in the previews was one for everything, everywhere, all at once. And I spent the entire preview with my mouth like a gape, just like, huh, what is this? And also thinking this looks so weird, but this also looks really good. Uh, on one of my favorite podcasts, Pop Culture, Pop Culture Happy Hour, the host, Linda Holmes, who's the kind of pop culture editor for NPR has a saying, not for Linda's when, uh, there's something that she's like, Oh, I can say that this is good. And like, understand that it is well-made and it is prestige, but it's also like, not for me. And that's kind of how I felt going into everything everywhere all at once. I saw it in April when it came out. Um, and I was a little like, this is probably not for laurels, but, uh, we'll go ahead and see this. And I honestly expected it to be so bad and was so surprised. I, I, and I think I've said, I said after that and people I talked to after that can keep me honest. I was like, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can see this movie again because the whole time I was like, how are they going to stick the landing of this movie? How is this, how is this all going to come together? How did this movie get greenlit? Um, how was this movie edited? I just, if you've seen everything everywhere, you know what I'm talking about and you're nodding along. Hopefully if you haven't, I hope this is not making you think I don't want to see this movie. This sounds very confusing. Um, it's not, it's just a movie that I feel like people have to see in a theater or you have to see it at home where you like turn off all the lights and you put your phone in another room. Cause you really have to see it distraction free. You have to let the movie just like take you in and not, pause and stop to think about anything. Cause I think then it all, you, you, you lose a little bit of the magic of it. Um, so all that to say, I was here for an everything everywhere sweep. And that is what happened. And just a little bit of like Oscar history. Um, you know, the big awards at the Oscars, uh, the ones that are seen as the most prestigious of this very prestigious award is, uh, there's, uh, six to seven of them. It's the four acting awards, director, 
picture and then the two screenplay awards adapted or original screenplay. Um, and this is the first time in the 95 years that the Oscars have been awarded that a film has won six of those, the, the most a film can win of oh, that. Wait, that's not, I'm not, that's not correct. Um, a film could win as many as seven, but uh, they can't win eight because you can't win original screenplay and adapted screenplay. You got to pick one. Um, but with Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Kiwi Kwan winning for everything everywhere in the supporting categories, Michelle Yeoh winning in best actress, it winning best original screenplay, the Daniels winning best director and it winning best picture. That has just never happened before. Uh, and in case you're like, Laurel, has anyone, has any movie ever won all four acting um, awards? No. This might be the most that a movie has won in terms of acting awards. That's really something I should look up. Um, and I'm sure you want to say, but what about like Silence of the Lambs? Totally right. It won Best Actor or Best Actress. It did not have any supporting wins. It did win Best Screenplay, Best Director, and Best Picture. Same thing for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest back in the 70s, Jack Nicholson's first Oscar won all of the other uh, one best actress screenplay director picture, but no supporting categories. Uh, so uh, I just, I, I love that a movie that was historical on its own and just by virtue of its nominations um, also ended up being historic in its wins. Um, going a little bit into the wins for everything everywhere. I don't know that this is an unpopular opinion, but I was not really pulling for Jamie Lee Curtis. I, I, I'm truly nothing against her. I am neutral on her. She is not my favorite. I don't dislike her. Um, but also, let's all just remember her Activia commercials. Uh, I think that Stephanie Hsu was the stronger of the two nominees for Everything Everywhere. I think when her nominee nomination came out, Jamie Lee Curtis's, I think it was a surprise. Uh, and I think it's a very big surprise. Well, until she won the SAG, I do not think it was predicted that she was going to win. I think it was seen as Angela Bassett really having this locked down. And what I saw happening was a split between Angela Bassett and Jamie Lee Curtis for people going for the legacy Oscar and saying these one of these actresses deserves recognition for her career. And we don't know when she's going to get nominated again. So we're going to give her an Oscar now. I saw a split happening, those votes splitting. And Carrie Condon from Banshees and Anna Sharon sneaking in. Um, that did not happen. Banshees of Inisherin, shut out. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But if everything everywhere had to win in that category, I really would have wanted to be Stephanie Shu, who carries so much of the movie and was just, I remember watching this. I mean, in April, I was not like, this movie's going to win Best Picture. But I was thinking, A, Michelle Yeoh had to be nominated for Best Actress, and what a long shot that was going to be. Because those are not the types of movies that normally get nominated. And B, that Stephanie Hsu, who I had no idea who she was at the time, I was like, she has to be she has to be nominated for something. This is just, she is basically like second lead in that movie. Um, and so, yeah, that's the only, like, everything everywhere, like, oh, man, really? That I'm a little, you know, it, it's kind, it's kind of like, you know, I don't, I don't like raspberry like coolies on my like, you know, chocolate mousse cake when I, you know, you go to TGI Fridays or something, and so it's almost like, oh, this cake is so good. Oh, there's a little droplet of the raspberry like sauce that ended up on this part, little part of the cake, and I'm kind of like, oh man, that's a little how I feel. The rest of it's so good that it doesn't overshadow, you know, this little bit of raspberry doesn't overshadow the delicious chocolate cake, but still, um. 
And I, I just, I have to hand it to Jamie Lee Curtis, who I, I don't want to say played the game because that makes us all sound so calculating and strategic. But I feel like from what we've seen the whole award season is she was so grateful and such a champion for the movie and the cast, like not just out there talking about herself and like her process and her role and things, but just was just a big cheerleader for the movie in the movie's chances at the Oscars. And I think it just perhaps reminded people maybe how much they've enjoyed working with Jamie Lee Curtis or, you know, how well liked she is or just like how long she's been around. And yeah. Also, I, I had no idea for a long time that it was her first Oscar nomination. I suppose I assumed she was nominated for Halloween, but they don't only nominate horror movies. Um, does anyone remember when there was Oscar buzz about her being nominated for Freaky Friday, which was like a mid aughts, Disney movie with Lindsay Lohan. Oh my goodness. I mean, need to rewatch that. It's a good, I remember it being decent. Um, anyway, uh, Kiwi Kwan winning. I don't know what I can say that hasn't already been said. I mean, his was the most foregone win of the night. Um, he had won every single award leading up to this, at which point you kind of start to feel bad for the other people who are nominated, who still have to like put on suits and go to these things. And, you know, put in their time and everything, knowing that their name is not going to be read. It reminds me of the year when, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio won for The Revenant and he was just winning everywhere because everyone was like, it's time. We got to give Leo his Oscar. And he just won all of the lead up awards. And I want to say like Brian Cranston was nominated at the same time. And he was like, yeah, so basically I just like get dressed. I go and eat a free meal. I shake a bunch of hands and then Leonardo DiCaprio gets an award. And like, that's, that's my February. Um, Michelle Yeoh winning. Uh, guys, I, I'm not gonna lie. I was very nervous going into Sunday night that Kate Blanchett was going to win. I have not seen Tar. I'm not against seeing Tar. I just, <clears throat> honestly, I found it kind of hard to find. Um, <clears throat> I couldn't find it in theaters. It was like streaming, but only on Peacock Premium, which I don't have. Um, so I'll, I'll have to give it a watch. Uh, and it may, may very well be that I will come away from it thinking that's the female performance of the year. The thing is... Kate Blanchett has two Oscars from the last 15 years. I want to say her last Oscar was like 10 years ago. I am by no means saying sit down, Kate Blanchett, you know, you've already, uh, you've already won too much, but I am saying like, it is perhaps a little time to like spread the wealth. So maybe I am saying that a little bit, but I, I just, I don't think that Kate Blanchett needs Oscar wins in her career to further her career, to keep making the, the films that she's making. I don't think she's out there hunting for an Oscar. I think she's making, films that she is like interested in and because she's Kate Blanchett she's like Meryl Streep she's gonna just knock it out of the park every single time um again I haven't seen Tar so but Michelle Yeoh I mean it's a universe jumping movie so just everything that she does and does so well just in everything everywhere it just for so many reasons I was like it has to it has to be her and it was um and that was beautiful um Brendan Fraser winning for the whale. I I did predict that in my uh in my little prediction thing. That was not a that was not a like hard and fast prediction. I think I would say I was like forty percent on that. Um, because just the polarizing nature of that film. Um, and the general sense that I got from different podcasts I've listened to is that people are so fond of Brendan Fraser and that he was so good in that film, which again, I haven't seen, um, that they were like willing to overlook the fact that maybe it wasn't a very good film. Um, 
And yeah, he, I think, gave such a genuine uh, speech to the point that at one point I was like, do we have a paper bag he can breathe into? Um, yeah, just was so emotional, um, which is, you know, always, always good to see, you know, actors sometimes can be so polished and so composed and you're kind of like, be a real person. (laughs) You've just won a, you know, the award that everybody wants to win in, in the, in, in showbiz. Um, and, uh, it, it is nice to see people just get overcome with, uh, just th- things that show that they're a real person. Um, let's see, I made a little Google doc of things I wanted to talk about. So, um, oh, uh, I, I had predicted this, but it still made me nervous. All quiet on the Western front, winning all of the craft categories. I know it has to do with the way they structured the show and the way the awards were given out, but for a while it was like every award was all quiet on the Western front because it was like best cinematography, best production design, best score. It was all craft, all, you know, what we might call it below the line categories, but it can suggest a sweep. Um, and it reminded me a little bit of the year. This was gosh now, like probably 10 or more years ago when Martin Scorsese's Hugo ended up winning all of these craft categories. And it was just like, what? But that was a movie about Hollywood made by Martin Scorsese. So Hollywood loves itself. Um, And uh, some friends and I were texting about it. And we were like, wait, how are we feeling about All Quiet? Kind of sweeping all of these craft categories. And it got Best International Feature. And and I was like, guys, take a course. We expected this to happen. And B, this is them giving All Quiet on the Western Front, which I have not seen, uh, a bunch of awards because they're not going to give it Best Picture. Um, And this kind of boils down to uh, what I kept hearing during Oscar season is do Academy voters get like understand everything ever all at once? What about the older members of the Academy, which I also want to be like, I mean, they're they're probably older members of the Academy, but does that mean like they they don't enjoy a uh, a, a new type of movie. I mean, maybe they don't, I don't know. I, I thought that was being a little, not doing a great service to older members of the Academy who are voting. But, uh, I think that in like the past, well, I'm, I'm not gonna try and give years, but the last time I remember it happening was the 2019 Oscars for movies that came out in 2018. Um, well, that's, that's actually a poor example. The, Oscars have a tendency, the Academy has a tendency to give best picture to a movie they think they should, a movie that they think is a capital I, capital M important movie, and not a movie that they all genuinely loved and admired. And this year, the movie that they genuinely loved and admired was Everything Everywhere All at Once. The good movie, important movie that should win was all quiet on the Western front in their opinion, because we need to have it go down in history that we recognize this movie. The Academy has really gotten out of its way lately. uh, In terms of that, I think Parasite in 2020 is a great example. People really thought 1917, which is also about World War One was going to win. Sam Mendes directed, he had this whole, it was based on his grandfather's time in the war. So it was just a very meaningful film to him. It's about a war. War movies are hard to film. It was very well done, all of these things. And it was kind of a given that it was going to win because this is the type of movie that the Oscars award. And it was a, you know, important movie that should win. And instead Parasite won. And I think we, we're seeing 
a shift in the Academy for going for movies that people are like, I really liked this movie. And it was my favorite movie of the year, or it's my favorite movie of the nominees, and I'm, I'm going to vote for it. I'm not going to sit here and think about what is going to look the best in line with all of these other past 95 Best Picture winners. Um, I think we saw it last year with Coda beating Power of the Dog. I mean, this sweeping, long, <laughs> Jane Campion... Uh, movie, I was going to say epic, it's not really an epic, but Western kind of, um, gets beat by a movie that I feel like is a very good Amazon Prime streaming movie that I would not be mad about watching on a Sunday afternoon, but frankly was a little surprise one best picture. Um, but I understand that people just like were really touched by it and thought it was really well done and just, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to vote for it for best picture. And that's the thing is the Academy's choices are allowed to be reflective of the Academy at the time. And we don't really talk about Green Book. I think we all know what that was saying about the Academy in 2018, 2019. But uh, we also need to talk about Crash. But yeah, I just, I, I really don't like this Monday morning quarterbacking I'm hearing about, well, are we going to look back in 10 years and say this was the wrong decision? And then, oh, well, we always look back in 10 years. I'm like, okay, well, if we always look back in 10 years and, doesn't, and say it was the wrong decision, does it matter? Doesn't it matter that at this moment in time, this is what people voted on? Anyway, I'm not just saying that because I wanted it to win and I picked it. Um, I saw four of the Best Picture winners. Would I have been mad if Top Gun Maverick won? Oh, uh, yeah, actually, I would have been mad. I would have been more mad if the Fablemans had won. But uh, that, uh, partly because Hollywood loves movies about... Hollywood and making movies. Um, and they just can't get out of their own way when it comes to that. So anyway, um, I want to talk about the show a little bit. Uh, because I was getting texts from a variety of friends throughout the show saying everything from like, Oh, I just tuned in. What have I missed to, uh, like minute by minute. Like that was funny. Oh, this was a lot too. Oh my God, this is so boring. I'm turning it off. Can you text me who wins? Um, it clocked in at a cute three hours and 40 minutes. Uh, it, I really liked the show. Uh, I think Jimmy Kimmel did a good job. I think he is a good blend of a host that is kind of famous enough on his own. And his kind of brand of comedy is famous enough that he can make the jokes that he makes. And they don't seem too like, you know, venomous or, uh, he also, you know, is self-deprecating to himself. And I just, I, I'm okay with ABC just having him be the host for, from now on, if he wants to do it. Um, I know it's a huge undertaking and he probably has to take like two weeks off from his show, uh, just for the lead up to it and probably starts working on it a lot sooner. But, uh, yeah, I thought Jimmy Kimmel was great. Um, I also like that. I didn't see too much of Jimmy Kimmel. It wasn't like he was out there all the time. He did not do, thank the Lord, a bit that involved civilians, whether it was having movie stars go into a movie theater across the street to pass out candy, much to their surprise, or bringing in tourists off of a double-decker bus to the Oscars. I, I just, I'm not, I'm, I'm not here for the bits. They always go on way too long. And I know what you're going to say. Laurel, he went out into the audience and asked questions. That was like 90 seconds. And if that, if they feel like they have to check the bit box and that did it, great. Done. Tie that up in a nice little bow. Uh, 
I guess one could consider this a bit when they brought out a donkey that is supposed to be Jenny the donkey. I don't think it is Jenny the donkey from Banshees of Inisherin, but when uh, when they brought the that donkey out on stage, the joy that I felt, the joy in Colin Farrell's face was, I mean, it just made my night. Um, Banshees of Inisherin, uh, I, I don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't seen it, but I will say that movie fairly broke my heart for a good little bit. I like couldn't talk about some parts of it for a few weeks. So um, very good movie. I uh, don't know that I'll ever watch it again, but yeah. Uh, but I was, I was thrilled, thrilled to see uh, Jenny the donkey. Um, I also really liked presenting the best actor and best actress awards back to back both presenters on stage at the same time. Um, I think it provided nice banter between the two presenters. I thought wrongly that it was going to help the show move along a little bit. It did not. Um, I would like to look at the run of show and then compare it to the timestamps of what actually happened uh, and be like, where did this go wrong? You thought this was going to last three hours and you were wrong by almost off by almost 30%. So where, where did things really when did things get come off the tracks? Is it just all long speeches? Because you need to then cushion some time for some long speeches. Um, but anyway, all, all things that I liked. Uh, I gotta talk a little bit about some of the things I didn't like. Um, namely, having movie stars present commercials as though they were part of the show. When... Melissa McCarthy and Haley Bailey, Haley Bailey, Haley Bailey, um, came out to present the preview for the little mermaid. I was racking my brain. Like, is this an anniversary of the little mermaid? Is this like a salute to Disney animation? Disney owns ABC. I'm not surprised to see something like things leaning towards the presenters who are in upcoming Disney movies and things like that. I don't care about that, but to act. So, I mean, don't, uh, to, to just air a preview for a movie that hasn't come out yet at the Oscars, which is honoring movies last year. I, I, I don't even remember what they said. Cause I think I was too like dumbstruck. And as the big picture podcast said, I mean, if you are an influencer and you post about a face wash that you love on Instagram, you have to hashtag that ad or the FTC will come after you. So wh- where was, where was that hashtag ABC? I ask you, um, similarly, Morgan Freeman, and Margot Robbie coming out to, provide a montage about Warner Brothers turning 100 years old. Okay, are we now doing this? Are we offering every studio who's reaching a milestone birthday a chance to have a montage at the Oscars? Uh, Also, Margot Robbie doing a throwback to or referring to Morgan Freeman by his Shawshank Redemption character, which fantastic movie, don't get me wrong. Would we say that's a character we think of when we think of Morgan Freeman, like he won an Oscar for Million Dollar Baby. I just, I don't know. But I was like, oh, is that a Warner Brothers movie? And you can only refer to Warner Brothers movies. Um, These are just things we shouldn't be thinking about at the Oscars. Um, So all that to say, did not love it. However, I know that the Academy gets the vast majority of its revenue from the selling the television rights to ABC. ABC has uh, inked a new contract that I think takes them uh, as the home, keeps them as the home of the Oscars until 2028. It's not like more people are tuning in. So I don't know if they can really 
command the ad prices they might think they need to in order to make it worth it. So is this what they're going to start doing? Are they going to start selling sponsorships mid show? Uh, yeah, I just, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. But that does at least explain why the Oscars don't move to like a cable network or something. Cause ABC probably paid a pretty penny for that. So, um, another thing that I really disliked and it kind of leads to a larger thing, the everything everywhere music performance was so bad that I told multiple people I was glad that Oscar voting was over because I was afraid people were going to try to rescind their best picture votes after seeing that performance. I do not think that is a, I don't remember the song from the movie at all. I think, I don't think it did them any favors the way they staged it, the way they performed it. Perhaps unpopular opinion. I don't think we need all the best song performances at the Oscars. Um, it is, there have been years where they, they only do three best song performances because maybe, I mean, I can't even tell you why. Um, I know one year, I know Eminem did not perform at the Oscars for Lose Yourself. They just were like, oh, you are nominated. Here's when you shall come and perform. And he was like, no, thanks. I don't, I really don't care about the Oscars. So, uh, and then he won an Oscar. Um, then we all remember 2020, he showed up and sang Lose Yourself, apropos of nothing. And we were all very confused, but then realized it's a pretty, still a pretty good song. I propose that we do a medley of the best songs. And so it's like a three or four minutes total. You have the best song performances staged around the Dolby theater or elsewhere. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And just do like a medley. Um, I do have to say <clears throat> the performance of not to not to was a much needed energy jolt. Uh, and now it makes me want to see RRR, although that movie is like three and a half hours long. Um, but Lady Gaga, I, uh, granted, I watched the Oscars at a bar that was having an Oscar watching party. So like, it, perhaps not the best environment to really take in all Lady Gaga's performance. I just found it a little underwhelming. All I want to do, maybe I'll just watch right after this is go back and watch Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga singing Shallow at the Oscars in whatever year that was. I still watch that probably once a month. Um, Rihanna, I mean, looked beautiful. I'm sure did a great job. Those songs were all just kind of energy downers. And I don't think they provided a lot to the Oscars. And I think that ABC was like, well, we have to have these pop stars here. People will tune in to see them perform. Like, will they? Did they? I don't, don't know that that's the case. I also don't know that either of those, those two songs are super beloved songs by those artists. So... This isn't quite like people tuning in just to watch Rihanna at the halftime show. Um, anyway, again, the Academy, call me. Happy to provide some some feedback. Um, and, and the last thing that I was just not a fan of was um, Cocaine Bear. Uh, I think Elizabeth Banks is a great sport. And I'm glad she has a sense of humor um, about, you know, movies that she does and stuff. Uh, I, it went on too long when it the bear went out into the audience and like harassed Malala. I was like, okay, this needs to go away again. Maybe my boyfriend said this. I don't remember that. The only way it would be good is if Matt Damon was in the bear costume and I don't think he was guys. So, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I really have a hot take on. And, you know, I, I, I don't, um, I, I was pretty pleased with how the whole thing went. I did feel though, I felt like I felt every minute of those three hours and 40 minutes. It was like, yeah, 
Um, but then I'm also like, I mean, I live in central time zone now, so it's not as rough of a bedtime, but I'm, I'm amped after the Oscars and I can't go to sleep. And I just gotta say daylight savings, losing an hour, the Oscars. And I went to a South by event on Saturday night. Goodness, I'm still recovering. So, uh, I just really need the Academy to think, think things through a little bit before they plan next year's Oscars. Also, take it back to February, please. Just take it back to February. That would be great. I'd really appreciate it. Um, I, I think that's all. I think that's all I have, guys. Um, so I would love to hear y'all's thoughts, uh, comments. And, uh, we'll be back soon. Me and Ryan talking about Frasier and, uh, you know, if we haven't finished season 11 by next year's Oscars, I'll see you next year for another Laurel Oscars recap. So, uh, until then I'm listening. Bye y'all. Okay. So I know I did my sign off and everything, but then while editing this, I realized I forgot to talk about one very important award and that is best adapted screenplay, which went to Sarah Polly for the movie women talking. I have not yet seen this movie. However, I have been a long time Sarah Polly fan since the early 90s when she was one of the stars of the Canadian TV show but brought to the U.S. on Disney called Avonlea. Where are my Avonlea fans at? All about a little village on Prince Edward's Island off the coast of mm, Nova Scotia, I think. Set in the early 1900s. I know there's got to be some just niche Avonlea fans out there. If you are a fan of Anna Green Gables, it is like a later... Uh, set later than Anna Green Gables and Shirley does make a few appearances in Avonlea. Um, but, uh, it's a little after her time in Avonlea. So, uh, anyway, Sarah Pauly has really transitioned away from acting and I believe was nominated for an Oscar for a movie called, Ooh, away from her, perhaps, I think in like the mid aughts and has kind of been a bit of an interesting filmmaker, um, and been on the radar and kind of in the, the zeitgeist a little bit. Uh, so her getting nominated for screenplay, the movie being nominated for best picture was great to see. I heard a lot of grumbling about her not being nominated for best director. Um, but anyway, just her winning best adapted screenplay and seeing her up on stage, which is very full circle for little, you know, six or seven year old Laurel who used to watch Avonlea with her mother. Um, so anyway, uh, one last thing I had forgotten to say. So all that to say. Thanks for uh, sticking with me on all my Oscar chatter over the last few months, and we'll see you in early 2024. Bye, y'all.